On March 19, 2020, in response to the coronavirus pandemic, Los Angeles issued a citywide stay-at-home order. Nearly overnight, Angelinos were told that they could not leave their homes. The only people they'd see on a regular basis were the ones they lived with. I'm Pallavi Kutamasu, a producer with Paradiso, a narrative podcast studio dedicated to telling stories from around the globe that celebrate the complexity of the human condition. When the quarantine began, among the many burning questions we all had, there was one we couldn't shake. What happens to love under lockdown? To answer this question, my colleagues and I set out to find four couples who represented, well, all of us. Four couples whose backgrounds, sexual orientations, occupations, and relationship status would reflect the population as a whole. We asked our couples to spend 10 minutes every day for six weeks recording audio diaries about how they were wrestling with the pandemic. How did they feel it would change the world? How did they feel it would change them? Would their relationship survive? Join us as we follow these four couples, all hunkering down for the weeks to come. They fight, they struggle with the virus and each other. But through it all, they find hope and purpose and a new resolve. This is Love Under Lockdown. This is week one. In our first episode, we meet two couples at very different places in their relationships. One is coming apart, while the other has just barely begun. We start with Whitney and Suri. We went on our first date at a coffee shop at like 4 p.m. And it's this little Moroccan spot by my house. It was late afternoon, pre-happy hours. We were both dressed casually, but nice. He's Palestinian and tall and dark and has dark curls and a broad jawline and a perfect scruffy beard. And I don't know, I was just so drawn to him from the very first moment that I saw him. I remember her wearing these very curve-hugging jeans and a somewhat revealing top that I probably kept getting caught staring at. She is a beautiful, athletic, all-American white girl. She has big brown eyes and shorter than shoulder-length platinum blonde hair with a sinister smile. And I could just tell he was kind of like fumbling over his words and I don't know what came over me, but maybe like 45 minutes into our date, maybe an hour, it wasn't long at all. I just like grabbed his face and kissed him. That date I think lasted like eight hours. We went and got dinner and then we walked around the lake by my house and smoked a joint and just laughed and it was just perfect. The order which we are calling Safer at Home is the next step to protecting our residents from the coronavirus by increasing social distancing. Whitney and her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend had basically already been quarantining and avoiding the public. This is before any 
mandates were, were put in place in L.A. And I had still been working. He is a cook at Animal, which is one of the best restaurants in the city. And honestly, was something that drew me to him in the first place. Um, I love food. I love cooking. But because he was still working, he was still exposing himself every day. And so I asked him if he would stop stop working. And you know, neither of us make a ton of money. So I knew how hard that was or what a big ask it was. While I was pretty apprehensive about, you know, living together uh, effectively, I also wanted to be together during this very bizarre and uncertain time. We've only been together for four months. Now we're quarantined together. Even though it's strange being displaced from home and also strange effectively living together now um, somewhat suddenly, it's actually pretty nice. Just kind of felt like a weekend, like a long weekend. The first five days we were in quarantine together, it was really fun. We were playing board games and going on hikes with the dogs. We're cooking a lot together and we kind of were having a blast. I am an activist, I'm writer for Teen Vogue, um, Playboy, HuffPost, some other places, and I own an event production company that specializes in female-focused nonprofit stuff. Any events I was throwing have been canceled or postponed. I've recently signed up for unemployment, which sucks and is very scary. The plan was to get somewhat productive after my birthday, but the day after my birthday, we both started feeling a little sick, like the feeling that you get in your throat when you first realize you're coming down with a cold. And he just had a sore throat for a day, and it went away. Whitney had a lingering cough um, that started getting more serious and more kind of wheezy sounding. At first, I was kind of lying to myself and I think lying to him a little bit and I was trying to convince myself I just had a cold or the flu or something, but this is not like any cold or any flu I've ever had. She couldn't taste or smell foods, which was very alarming. One second, I'll feel like great, like I could go on a jog and the next second I'm gasping for air. Like the thousands of other Americans in the early days of the outbreak, Whitney and Sari knew exactly what her symptoms meant. So since then, I've basically just been taking care of her and forcing her to stay in bed. I've been fine, basically asymptomatic. And she's very stubborn and wants to be up and about and help with, like, the household chores. I feel so guilty, and he would say that guilt is a useless emotion, but I just, this isn't where we should be at four months. Ever since I was a little kid, I was always the one taking care of everybody else. And so this has really been a huge exercise in letting go. I can't share an equitable amount of the household tasks right now because I can barely get out of bed. I can't cook for him or really do laundry or keep the house clean. He and I have been together for four months. That's not very much time at all. And now he's like my full-time caretaker. We haven't even said I love you. And this man is 
cleaning out like my mucus spit cup every other hour. We're dealing with something really dangerous. It really sucks that she's sick, but I'm glad at least, you know, I'm here to take care of her. The other day he like put on gloves and a mask and like danced around the room while cleaning up to cheer me up. And even though laughing makes me like gasp for air right now, it's worth it with him. Just the dynamic of, of fully caring for someone with something so serious, I think is inevitably gonna bring you together. I haven't hated being cooped up with her. Um, we've gotten on each other's nerves a couple times here and there. I think the worst is behind us and we're both really looking forward to finding some form of normal, as, as normal as can be during a pandemic lockdown. But um, I think we'll both come out of this itching to get stuff done and be productive once she's healthy again. A month ago, I would not have thought we'd be where we are. And two weeks ago, I would not have thought we'd be where we are. And a week ago, I would not have thought we'd be where we are. Spiritually, the world feels like it's falling apart. I just... This is grief. What we're all going through is grief. We're grieving our jobs. We're grieving a world we once knew. We're grieving a world we're probably never going to get back in the same way. And I'm also kind of grieving my single thumb. I'm just trying to get to tomorrow. I'm just trying to get myself healthy. And I'm so, so grateful for this man. This sweet, kind, caring, loving man that I have not said this to yet, but I am falling more and more in love with every single day. Our second couple is Brandy and Mary. They've lived together for years, so sheltering in place shouldn't dramatically change their lives. Well, except that... We broke up right after our third year anniversary. I'm Mary, I'm 37, and I'm a regional accountant. I'm Brandy, I'm 39, uh, and I'm an information security specialist. Our relationship is complicated. It is complicated. It's difficult to define. Um, I would say that it's still a partnership of sorts. The most L.A. way of saying it would be consciously uncoupled. I like to describe her as if Snow White were real. The descriptions of Snow White are very similar to how Mary actually looks. When we first met, it was in 2007. It was for a Prop 8 party by a mutual friend of ours. I remember it was a little warm inside the house, but I think that was also because I was drinking and I was also nervous. I was watching a group of people play Guitar Hero or Rock Band or something, and I was standing by myself, and Brandy uh, was sitting on the arm of the couch in the living room, and she just started talking to me. She is very intriguing looking. She has black hair that is uh, naturally curly. She has big brown eyes and full lips. I have a little bit of reputation as a notorious flirt. She was really nice. 
and I remember that she laughed a lot at whatever I was saying, which I don't think was particularly clever or interesting, but she seemed to find it amusing. My fiance walked in and said, hey, that's, that's my fiance. What do you, you know, get up off her? <laughs> I thought that she was there with her cousin, but turned out uh, her cousin was actually her girlfriend. She had no idea that we were a romantic couple. So that was a little bit awkward and a little bit embarrassing, but it was... It, it was, was no problem. Was, we all laughed it off and... We just became friends. Fast forward, five years after I married the person I was there at the party with, we split up and we didn't tell anybody. Brandy just randomly reached out and asked if I wanted to go to a basketball game. And I thought maybe she had heard that my wife and I had split up and she wanted to date me. I was wearing a black USC t-shirt and jeans with black boots and a zip-up hoodie. And uh, Mary was wearing a cute sort of maroon top. And uh, she was wearing boots, knee-high boots and uh, skinny jeans. It wasn't until about halfway through dinner when I was going to take a selfie with Mary where I realized that we were on a date. and. At the point in which I realized it was a date, she said, I don't understand how you didn't know this was a date. I wore knee-high boots. About this time, three years ago, it was in, in April um, that we moved in together. It felt like the right thing to do. I remember being very optimistic and hopeful that this would be you know, the final chapter in the story about my love life. In hindsight, it may have been a bit quick. I think that maybe things would have gone better in our relationship if we hadn't moved so quickly. I came to learn that Brandy has a hard time sharing space with another person. She does a fantastic job of understanding all of my idiosyncrasies and, and, and the strange things that bring me comfort. I didn't know this about myself, but I have to have a salad at least every three days, or I get extremely moody. And so she makes sure that I am kept in lettuce and tomatoes and carrots um, so that I don't get too moody. I still prepare most of the meals. I do all of the grocery shopping. I do nearly all of the cleaning. Brandy does not help. <laughs> she represented a, a different idea of what that would look like, more sharing responsibilities around the apartment and doing things like cooking and giving massages and that it's just not how it ended up being. So that was that was a bit disappointing. There wasn't any one thing that led us to breaking up. Nobody did anything bad. Nobody you know broke anyone's trust or anything like that. She didn't necessarily do the things that she um, thought would be good for her from a physical standpoint. And I felt like being in a committed um, relationship with all the expectations that go along with that was holding me back from growing as an individual. And honestly, it was a huge weight lifted when we decided to, to end that version of a relationship. Mary's my best friend, I'm her best friend. I talked to her about everything, and that 
isn't going to change. Although I suppose it might change if either of us started dating somebody else. Even after our breakup, we decided to stay living together through the end of our lease. So when everything happened with the coronavirus, there was no reason why we would not confine together. We both really love the apartment. We really love the location. And because we get along so well, um, we didn't feel the need to, you know, up and leave. I think I was sort of in denial about how bad the virus was. I didn't think that that's where we were going with it. But she asked me to stay home on Friday the 13th of March. Mary works in construction as an accountant. They're essential as a business. And I said, there's no reason most of your office goes in. You should stay home, even if that means you have to take the time off. And I was sort of annoyed by that. And sure enough, we were on a stay-at-home order in California. So Brandy really saw all of this coming. I've been home for now for 22 days, and for the last 15 days, I haven't crossed the threshold of our apartment door. I have atopic allergies, and they're pretty severe, so I'm at a much more, I guess, heightened risk of contracting the coronavirus. I take the dog out four times a day, and I do all of the grocery shopping, I get packages, I get the food that's been delivered, mail, Anything that requires anything outside of the apartment, I, I do. If she gets sick, uh, it's because I brought it to her. So now I sleep in, in the bedroom and Mary sleeps on the couch in the living room. I'm a quality time, acts of service person when it comes to my love languages. So I feel completely loved and, and taken care of because Mary has to do all of the errands. So my needs are, are, are being met in terms of feeling like a whole person, but... Yeah, whereas my love languages are um, physical touch, which is my main one, and we are trying to distance ourselves from each other um, as much as possible. So um, no hugging. <laughs> and that's, that's been hard for me. Even though they're broken up, Brandy and Mary have known each other for more than a decade. They have a long history to fall back on when times get tough. Whitney and Sari, on the other hand, they're writing their story as they go. It's like day 20, I think, of quarantining together. Still sick as fuck. It's really gray and like drab out today and rainy. It's nice when the weather matches your mood, you know? <laughs> My symptoms went away for a couple days and yesterday they came back with a vengeance, coughing, mucus, dizziness, headaches, um, and my blood oxygen levels plummeted way down. So I don't really have any kind of routine unless you count sleeping 18 hours a day as part of a routine, which I guess it is. Suri has been cooking every meal for us and like so lucky to have a chef boyfriend. Uh, been having like the most incredible soups and things, but it's hard when I need his help to like eat or 
drink or do anything. Like I can't barely make myself a cup of tea. So I'm just so grateful to have somebody here to take care of me and that Suri has been so selfless and sweet and annoying and frustrating. I think we're all starting to crack a little bit. Whitney from being sick in bed for two weeks straight. Me from being cooped up in the house and taking care of her. He also snores a lot. So there's that too. And I have trouble sleeping sometimes. It's always less comfortable sharing a bed. He's that guy that like, you flip off the light and he's already asleep before his head hits the pillow. So, you know, that gets under my skin a little bit. I honestly can't wait for Whitney to get over her symptoms. This has been pretty difficult to watch. She feels bad that I have to take care of her, and I feel bad that she's going through this. The idea of routine has been completely thrown out the window. <laughs> Still very much enjoying my time with Whitney, even though we've kind of been eat up each other's asses at times. He said the other day, he was like, you know, I can tell that you're getting better by how much you fight with me. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, you know, when you're feeling better, you're so much more stubborn. I think that he's probably right. <laughs> We're like both still pretending that we don't poop, though, you know? <laughs> Hours, days, weeks, it's all just one long quarantine with no end in sight. <sighs> Man, I'm tired. I, uh... I think that's all I've got for today. But it's not all bad. Even with everything that's happening, Brandy and Mary still managed to have some fun together. We had a happy hour on Saturday, a virtual happy hour over Zoom. And it started at 4.30, but um, it was, we got a little carried away. We had a, a few too many drinks. We'd moved to the table because Mary had told her mom that we would, like, FaceTime and play a game with her. And I was like, okay, we can try this, but I'm already drunk. So she's like, if you if you expect me to get on this call with your mom, you're going to have to give me a big glass of water. So we're sitting at the kitchen table. She makes this large gesture and just knocks over her whole glass of water. Well, right next to where I was sitting was the open box of toilet paper that I had just gotten. <laughs> so I jump up. And I throw the box over, and the Toby rolls just come, come rolling out, and I'm just staring at it going, like, I don't even know what to do. And Brandy's just laughing her ass off. And I'm like, are you going to help? She's like, I don't know what to do either. And so Brandy gets up, and she starts taking out the paper towel rolls and just lining them up on the floor. And she's like, okay, get out the blow dryer. I'm like, are you serious? She goes, yeah, just get out the blow dryer. We'll just blow dry them. And so I sit there on the bathroom floor, and I blow dry every toilet paper roll. <laughs> I instead took pictures and video and posted about it. You know, it was actually a little cathartic that it was toilet paper in the middle of this, uh, this pandemic where nobody has toilet paper for no 
reason. <laughs> Sign of the times. Too funny. I wish that I could say I don't have regret about the last three years I put into this relationship. Um, some days I don't believe in regret and I wish that that's where I always was because I know that regret is useless and I know that everything happens for a reason or most days I believe that. But as a 37 year old woman without children, it is, it's hard for me. There's really no telling what could have happened in life. I just know that my time is running out to bear children if that was ever an option for me. I think of relationships as continuous, ever-evolving sorts of things. So even when I want something to be the, the last romantic relationship I ever have, I'm also aware that it might not be. Every day we grow and change as people. And so what was true yesterday isn't necessarily what's true today. It's already getting a little bit hard. Um, she is interested in other people. Last night I had a movie date night. And that gets interesting because, you know, Mary's, Mary's here too. I think in relationships there's always somebody who gets a shorter end of the stick. And I think that is me <laughs> in this situation. I did have hope that maybe after breaking up or changing the parameters of our relationship that we would grow back together. And that's not happening. I know that it's not a good idea for me to sign a new lease here. And I don't think it's a good idea for me to keep living with Brandy. So I think it's time for me to really start planning for August. While Brandy and Mary drift apart, Whitney and Suri are growing closer. I woke up at 2.30 p.m. today. I slept for like 16 hours last night. I feel fucking crazy and useless and just unlike myself. I've never been this tired in my whole life. I've had mono. I had shingles at 30 years old, which is incredibly rare and like was in the house you know, for almost three weeks with that. And none of that can even like touch this. Suri got me to go out, get out of the house today. He wants so badly for everything to be okay all the time or for me to feel okay or not be sad. You know, the, that he'll try or he'll always try to make me look on the bright side or see the silver lining in something. And sometimes that's a quality in him that I love, but sometimes I just want to shake him and be like, I'm sad. Just let me be sad. This is a devastating time and I'm so sick and I'm exhausted and I'm depressed and I just, I just need to feel sad. What do I like the most about him? Ironically, he always sees the bright side of things and he always tries to make me see them and I appreciate him for that. He really does have a lot of perspective and a lot of gratitude and, you know, he comes from a family that really loves each other and is really close. 
And you can see that in the kind of man that he is. I told him I loved him. Yesterday? Yeah, yesterday morning. <laughs> he woke me up kind of early and we were laying in bed and he pulled the sheet over our heads. Um, we made a little cuddle fort is what we call it and we were laying in there and I'd wanted to wait and let him say it because he can be so oddly traditional, truly. Like for someone who's so progressive, as soon as I said it, he was like, you took the words right out of my mouth and I love you too. And then he instantly, like I knew he would, was like, ah, another relationship moment you stole from me. And I was like, stole from you. <laughs> was it yours, yours only to give to begin with? I don't know. Silly boys and their silly egos. Oh, the dog is having diarrhea again. Okay, till later. On the next episode of Love Under Lockdown, we meet Fred and Jess, an engaged couple with a toddler. Jess is an ER physician on the front lines of the pandemic, which means that unlike the rest of us, it's too dangerous for her to stay with her family, and she hasn't seen them for weeks. Love Under Lockdown was produced by me, Pallavi Kutamasu. Story editor is Brandon Fibbs. Executive producer is Emmy Norris. Associate producers are Molly O'Keefe and Brendan Galbraith. Audio engineer is Morgan Jaffe. Sound mixer is Tim Dornbush. Original music by Cedric Sentence. Love Under Lockdown was based on an idea by Jeanne Boazek. Thank you to the Paradiso team in France, Lorenzo Benedetti, Louis Debussy, and Benoit Deneg. Additional thanks to Michael Norris. And an extra special thanks to the couples who shared their stories with us, Whitney and Sari, and Brandy and Mary. I hope you all are staying safe. I'm ready to fucking go to Mars. Oh, I in a heartbeat. I think I could do the 200 days in a small space by myself and or with a couple other people. I believe that. Well, I, I believe you could do it alone. I don't know about the other people. It depends on the other people. It really depends on the other people. <laughs> do I get to take my dog? I, like, what do you do in that circumstance? Like, if the, the dog has to go to the bathroom, do you, like, pick up the poop in a bag and then jettison it into space? Like, well, he would happens? have a space suit, just like you. Like, how do you poop in space? It'd still be space poop. It'd be weird. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, but yeah, no doubt. I'm ready. For sure. You Definitely know what I really like to do? I'd like to leave a little doggy bag of poop on Mars. I feel like that will be frowned upon eventually. If there's other people that visit Mars. In the society that will be right. Mars. Right. Uh, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, it's still rude. Mm. Probably. <laughs> it's rude even in space. <laughs>